Deshaun Watson's back. At least Adam Schefter handled it with grace and applause today. <laughs> that was the funniest joke I've had on the show in a while. Wow. Comedy, 10 out of 10 for me today. Well done. Thank you. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. reasons that I am just terrified of getting older. Um, of course, no one likes getting older. I, I think I have some reasons that are unique to me. I really hate going to the doctor. Like I, I, I hate going to the doctor. I wouldn't say I'm scared of going to the, okay, I, I will say it. I'm scared of going to the doctor. Freaks me out. The whole procedure from start to finish, I find to be horrendous. I hate it. I despise going to the doctor. The dentist too, but to a lesser degree, because I know that if I go to the dentist, they're not going to give me news that I'm going to die. They're going to drill into my teeth. I I can deal with that. It's not fun, but I can deal with it. I don't want to get older because I hate the thought of going to the doctor more often. I don't want my back to hurt all the time. Uh, I I feel as though as I get older, the world is going to become worse and worse and worse. That freaks me out. I also fear, and this is the weirdest one of all, I think. I also fear that as I get older, I'm going to be sitting and watching TV one day, and one of those class action lawsuit commercials is actually going to apply to me. Like, if you or your loved one has been exposed to asbestos. Like, I wasn't alive in the 60s. I don't have any asbestos in my system, right? I haven't worked at a coal mine. My favorite class action is from the TV show Better Call Saul. Right, if you or your loved one has been a resident of any sandpiper care community, write that one. None of these have applied to me. I haven't been alive long enough. I do, however, feel like maybe 40 years from now, I'm going to be watching TV, middle of the day, whatever the future version of Let's Make a Deal is going to be with the future version of Wayne Brady. And a commercial is going to come on and it's going to say, did you or a loved one watch the NCAA tournament game between the Wisconsin Badgers and Iowa State in the year 2022. If so, you may be entitled to significant financial compensation. That game yesterday did things to us that I don't feel as though we've begun to understand. 30, 40 years down the road, somebody is going to stumble upon some medical discovery of how that... I don't even... That was a basketball. I don't know what that was. Whatever we watched yesterday, someone's going to stumble into a medical discovery down the road of how yesterday's game impacted us mentally, physically, spiritually. We're going to be owed money one day. So mark that down. Go ahead. That's not a threat. That's not a guess. That's that's a guarantee. That's a promise. We're going to be watching TV 40 years from now. If you were a loved one, watch the 11-seeded Iowa State Cyclones beat the third-seeded Wisconsin Badgers in 2022. You and your loved ones might be entitled to financial compensation. That game brought me so much physical and emotional and spiritual distress. That was horrendous. I apologize to anyone who watched that yesterday. Myself first. I wish I wouldn't have watched. I wish I wouldn't have put myself through that. We got to talk about it. I'm actually not that upset about this game and the fact that the Badgers lost. I just hate that I had to see so many shots. Like, I'm surprised the backboard didn't break yesterday. <laughs> like, are the hoops okay at Pfizer Forum? Bucks play games there this week. Don't they play there tomorrow night? They got the Bulls. Are they in Chicago? Are they back in Milwaukee? They got a game at, at some point at Pfizer Forum. Can we check? Can we do a stress test on the backboards, please? Oh, the shooting was horrendous. The refereeing was terrible. And I'm sorry. Let me apologize. I'll be the first one to apologize to this entire state and anyone who watched that game yesterday. That was terrible. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had an outstanding weekend. The weather was lovely. It's lovely outside today. I walked a couple blocks this afternoon. 
got this delicious cup of coffee that I'm holding now. It's been great. I wish the Badgers won yesterday and we were talking about a win, but whatever. We'll break it down. I want to talk about the Packers as well. On Saturday, they brought back Rasul Douglas. I don't really care that much about Rasul Douglas himself, but I do care a lot about the cornerback position. And I want to have a conversation about the return of Rasul Douglas. Three years, I think about $20, $21 million, if I remember. I don't have it in front of me. That's coming up about a half hour. Second half of the show, I have a doozy of a take. I thought I was going to talk about this last Wednesday. Didn't get to it. Thought we'd get to it Thursday. Didn't. It's, it's, It's needed to stew. I've been working on this one for a while. It's quite a take. It's about the Brewers, and it involves Devontae Adams. So we have some crossover there with the Packers. And it involves the Las Vegas Raiders. That's coming up at 5.30. I can't wait. Send me a text, 608-796-2558. Send me a tweet. Follow me. Interact with me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Let's talk about yesterday's loss. Badgers lost 54-49. Remember what I said after the Michigan State loss in the Big Ten tournament? So this would have been on Monday night of last week because they lost to the Spartans on Friday. We came back and started the next week on Monday, and I talked about it for all of two minutes, and then we moved on. Right. Remember what I said? I said that we love college basketball because it's chaotic. It's unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. These teams are so evenly matched. The shooting can be terrible. As we saw yesterday, neither one of these teams from three could put the ball in the bucket. The Badgers get the ball in the bucket from anywhere. Shooting can go cold. Referees are a hope and a prayer. I mean, one possession, they call it one way. Another possession, they call it differently. Yesterday, they were addicted to calling jump balls and charges. There was a carry that was called. I mean, I didn't have that on the bingo card. They called a carry. They called a carry in an NCAA tournament game yesterday, right? We love college basketball because it's chaotic. It's unpredictable. Teams are evenly matched. The refs, you never know. The shooting, you never know. And we love that about college basketball. Well, it was that chaos and that unpredictability that got the Badgers beat against Michigan State. Tough whistle. Johnny Davis had a bad shooting night. Boom, Badgers lose. That's basically what happened yesterday. Chucky gets hurt. There's a million fouls called over the course of the game. No one can shoot, and what do you know? The Badgers are bounced in the second round of the tournament. Can't make the Sweet 16. Yesterday's game was college basketball personified. If somebody asked you, well, what's college basketball? What's that all about? What's the, what's the, the appeal? Watch that game from yesterday. That's, that's why people like college basketball. Now, today we're upset about it because our team was involved. But if we were a fan of, I don't know, Texas or a fan of Holy Cross, or a fan somewhere else in the country, and we watched that game yesterday, we'd be laughing. Like, oh, God, these refs don't have a prayer. Oh, my God, these guys can't hit water if they fell out of a boat. Nobody can hit a shot. We'd enjoy it. We'd laugh. But because our team was involved yesterday, oh, it wanted to make me puke. Yesterday was college basketball personified. And you know what? After yesterday, I'm not really sure I like college basketball. (laughs) I like the Badgers. And I'll cheer for the players, especially when they're from the state. And I like Greg Gard. And the Big Ten has a certain appeal because I'm from the Midwest and I, I'm interested in following all these programs. But I'm not sure I like college basketball. I, I thought yesterday, why do I do this? Why am I watching this? When, the, when this game ended yesterday, I did a Twitter space with Ben Kenny. Maybe some of you were there. And then I couldn't wait to watch anything else. I was at my parents' place and we watched just reruns of Schitt's Creek. I was like, I, I, I have zero interest in watching any more of that. I don't understand why people prefer college basketball to the NBA. Some people think college basketball is just the best and it's their favorite sport. And hey, you do you. I'm not going to tell you what to like and what not to like. We all like different things, but it it just doesn't make sense to me. Why would anyone get amped about sitting down to watch one team 
shoot three of 14 from three. And the Badgers essentially shot one for 21. Jordan Davis hit a prayer at the end, which bumped him up to two of 22. That's just over 9%. Why would anyone think that that's the best sport or the best version of basketball? It was way better than the NBA. Really? Really? Someone get a wellness check on the backboards because I think both of them are about to crack if I form after yesterday. Three of 14. The Badgers shot 29% from the field. 29% from three would be terrible. They shot 29% from the field. From the field, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Ben Kenny, who I did a Twitter space with last night, you have him on the Bill Michaels show, co-host of Kenny and Heilprin. He made a good point. He said, well, it's unpredictable. In the NBA, you can play great defense, and Nikola Jokic will still hit a jumper because he's that good. Now, I look at that from a perspective of, well, I like watching Nikola Jokic but because he's so good. But I see the, the opposite perspective, right? If you play really good defense on a player, that should prevent them from scoring. Kevin Durant just pulls up and hits a shot anyways. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I, I guess. I guess. But that was just not quality sport yesterday. That was not quality television. Again, maybe if I wasn't a Badgers fan, maybe if I didn't have an emotional investment, I'd feel differently because I'd just sit back and laugh. But I can't do that when my team is involved. <sighs> you know... So many things went wrong for Wisconsin yesterday. They still could have won. They still could have won this game. They still could have won. If Chucky doesn't get hurt, they win that game going away. I think they win by six or seven, eight points if Chucky Hepburn doesn't get hurt, at the very least. I think they cruise to a somewhat comfortable victory if Chucky Hepburn doesn't bust up his ankle. If they make one three, one, parenthesis, one, parenthesis, three, I think that game goes differently. If any of those fall, it just resets the defense a little bit, gets some juice into the crowd, gets the players' confidence back up. Just one little thing had to go a little bit better for the Badgers yesterday, and they still would have won. And that's frustrating because it feels like that always seems to be the case for our teams. We we talk about that with the Packers against Tampa a couple years ago, against the Niners a couple months ago. 2014 is the penultimate example where if you just go and change one variable, the Packers move and they, they advance into the Super Bowl. Talk about it with the Brewers last year. If they just score a couple of runs against Atlanta. They probably advance, and who knows? Maybe they're the team that gets hot. They beat the Dodgers, and then they go on to win the World Series, and it's not Atlanta. <sighs> Always seems to be our teams. You just, just change one little thing, they would have won. Yeah, well, it's kind of a thing in the playoffs for our Wisconsin sports teams. So I, I stayed, as I said, I stayed at my folks this weekend. It was my mom's birthday, a lovely time. And I drove back to lacrosse this morning. It's about a two-hour drive. And on this drive, I sipped my coffee. It was lovely. And I listened to all three of our morning shows across our network. So I listened to Dave and lacrosse, listened to a little bit of Dan Casper and Eau Claire, W-A-Y-Y. And I listened to a little bit of Ebo and Madison, who's with RJ and Rowdy. And they were obviously talking about this game. Zach Halpern was on with them. There was a lot of wallowing. A lot of wallowing. Saying, oh, my God, how did the Badgers lose? They, they were playing a de facto home game. They were playing at home. It was a Wisconsin crowd. Yeah, that's nice. But the Badgers lost at home this year to Michigan State, that Friday night game without Tyler Wall. They lost at home to Rutgers. That was a Saturday afternoon game where Ben Kenny big-timed me at a bar, a Bratz on State. Still remember that as just a horrible day. They lost at home to Nebraska to close out the year. Oh, they were basically playing at home. Yeah, well, the Badgers lost a couple times at home this year. So what? They're playing in Milwaukee. Plus, I think both sides feed off a crowd like that. To be honest, I think Iowa State probably felt off that crowd and fed off that crowd a little bit too. I think there's an advantage that goes both ways. So let's not make so much of a big deal that they were playing in Milwaukee. Oh, I can't believe they lost. They were playing a de facto home game. Let's stop wallowing. Let's take a deep breath. 
I heard a lot of people on the morning shows I listened to this morning, and I see a lot of tweets. Oh, Wisconsin had such an easy path. Okay, well, let's break down their path. They beat 14 Colgate. Yesterday, they attempted to beat number 11 Iowa State. They did not. And they would have advanced to play number 10 Miami, who now the Cyclones are going to play. And if they were able to beat Miami, which would have been the third straight double-digit seed, they go 14 Colgate, 11 Iowa State, 10 Miami, then they would have either met Kansas or Providence on the other side. All right, I'll take my chances against Kansas. They're good, but they're not peak Kansas as we've seen in the past. Is Perry Ellis still there? It's got to be about, what, 28, 20, 29? Him and Brad Davison could have had an old man off. It's been funny. And Providence... Badgers played really well against Providence this year. So now we're talking about a team that maybe has a chance to go to the Final Four. Guys, I'm not saying seeds don't matter, but they kind of don't matter to a degree. Oh, Wisconsin had such an easy path to get there. Number two, Kentucky lost to 15 St. Peter or St. Peter's or St. Petersburg or whatever that, I don't know, wherever that little slapdash school is. Number two, Kentucky. Three draft picks. There's three draft picks. There's going to be two lottery picks off of Kentucky, and then Oscar Shibuya is probably going to go late first round, early second round to some contender that wants like a bouncy rebounder on their bench. I'm not saying seeds don't matter at all, but to say, well, all they had to do was beat 14, 11, and 10, yeah, double-digit seeds win all the time. That's why we love March Madness is because it's unpredictable and fun. So can we stop wallowing about how the Badgers missed this amazing opportunities they were playing at home because I think that's overblown. Well, they had such an easy path. Yeah, and they've had easy paths in years where they've stumbled, and they've had hard paths in years where they played really well and, and gone on good tournament runs. 64 teams make this tournament, okay? 48 were eliminated between Thursday and yesterday night. Wisconsin's one of those 48. There's probably 25 to 30 fan bases around the country saying those exact same things. Oh, they had such a good draw. Oh, it lined up so well for them. Yeah, 64 teams in the tournament. 48 of them got axed. In four days, the Badgers are one of those 48. We need to remember that March Madness, it's called March Madness for a reason, right? (laughs) The majority of teams aren't supposed to advance. Yes, even a lot of good ones lose. So we can be bummed that they lost. But this tournament is one huge random game of chance, which, by the way, I tried to say last week. We talked about this last Monday and Tuesday, and I went on Ebo's show on Tuesday, and they mocked me. I said, look, you guys, good teams lose all the time in the tournament. Don't use the tournament to judge how good a team is or how good a coach is. You get in there, and it's one giant game of roulette. Oh, Chucky Hepburn gets hurt. Just By the way, again, if Chucky Hepburn doesn't get hurt, they win that game comfortably. Losing a point guard is like losing a quarterback. We talk about this all the time on this show. I know. I feel like we've talked about this half a dozen times since the start of this basketball season back in October and November, right? Drew Holiday, we've talked about it. Chucky Hepburn, we've talked about it a bunch. Chris Paul, another really good example. The point guard is the orchestra conductor. Yeah, Chucky Hepburn's got to hit his shots and play his game, but he's also got to remember, okay, Johnny Davis, he's been quiet. We got to get him going. Ooh, Chris Vogt, he hasn't had a touch in a while. I, I'm going to get him a good look on offense to keep him engaged to make sure he keeps rebound and playing defense, setting screens. Oh, Brad Davison is hot. I'm, I'm going to start moving the ball his way a little bit more. It, it's the supercomputer of the basketball team. And Chucky Hepburn is one of the guys who can actually shoot on this team, a team that doesn't have a lot of shooting to begin with and doesn't have any depth to begin with. So you lose one guy, there goes depth, there goes shooting, which impacts spacing. And if you saw Johnny Davis try to get into the lane, you saw Not a lot of room in there. There's not a lot of space. And on top of everything else, that spacing and that depth and that shooting also happen to be your point guard. 
The Badgers could have won yesterday, but man, losing Chucky Hepburn, that's that's tough. That's really, really tough. Losing a point guard has ripple effects all over the floor. It's very similar to losing a quarterback. In summary, before we take a break, I want to talk more about the Badgers, but we do have to take a break. It's been like 20 minutes. Calm down. Everyone, calm down. Calm down. This happens every year. This happens every year. There's 64 teams that make this tournament, and in the blink of an eye, the opening weekend, 48 of them are sent home. We are not that special. We are not the team that blew this amazing opportunity. Oh, they had a great draw. Sure they did, but that doesn't really mean that much. Oh, they were playing at home. I I guess, but what does that really mean? The Badgers lost to the Cole Center a couple of times this year to teams that were lesser than them. Take it easy, everyone, okay? Let's put the torches and the pitchforks down. Let's talk about how they had a fun season. Let's talk about how we're looking forward to Johnny Davis playing at the next level. And we'll try again next year. That's what March Madness is about. And if the good teams always advanced, then we would be better at making brackets. And everyone sucks at making brackets. So there you go. That's all you need to know. 608-796-2558. We'll continue to talk Badgers. You can tweet me as well, at Wisco Grant. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Hope your week is off to an excellent start. I'm coming into this week a little stress off my shoulders because tomorrow and Friday, the Brewers are going to be on in the afternoon. So that takes a lot of work off my plate. (laughs) I mean, I'm so torn up that there are two days this week where I won't be able to talk with you all. What a bummer. Shoot. Crap. Brewers are on tomorrow. All across our network, whether it's in Madison on the Zone, W-A-Y-Y in Eau Claire, or K-T-Y here in La Crosse. Tomorrow and Friday, no shows. We're all going to kick back and enjoy the Brewers together. So, if you have any Badgers takes, if you have anything you want to add to this conversation, you better get it in today. We aren't promised tomorrow. In fact, I'm telling you uh, up front, directly, explicitly, there will be no show tomorrow. So, if you want to talk Badgers, let's do it today because as the week goes along, we're probably going to move on to bigger and better things. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter, at Wisco Grant, 608-796-2558. Talking about the Badgers' loss yesterday. 54-49 to Iowa State. We're going to get into the Packers here in about 10 minutes. I spent a lot of time reading after the game last night, and I did a Twitter space with Ben Kenny. That was a privilege. That was a blast. Asher Lowe, Ben's buddy, hopped in there as well. It was very therapeutic. It was a blast. Uh, we even talked about the transfer portal. The only take I had on the transfer portal is that there must be another Hauser brother somewhere. The Badgers should go go after him. Joey, there's got to. Is there a Jack Hauser? It's just. 18, 19 years old. There's got to be another Hauser brother. That tree is not bare yet. Come on. There's got to be another one. But we were in a Twitter space last night, so I heard a lot of takes on Twitter, and I saw a lot of tweets. I'm a little perplexed as to how people are finding a way to be mad at Greg Gard. I'm confused. I'm so, so, so confused how fans watched that game and thought, God, I knew it. Greg Gard sucked all along. I just, I, I don't know. When... Our teams lose in the playoffs, especially in basketball, especially the Bucks or the Badgers, and in football to a degree, but I hear this mostly in our in our basketball conversations. Fans are like, well, the coach didn't make adjustments. See? Coach Bud, he, he didn't make adjustments. The other coach made better adjustments. At halftime, they had no answer. No adjustments he made. This is really largely overblown. All right? 
And I think if all of us understand that sometimes there aren't adjustments to be made, we will be so much smarter as sports fans. We'll be so much smarter. We'll waste way less time. Speaking of adjustments, okay, this is a great example. Think of the 2018-2019 conference finals between Milwaukee and Toronto, right? Bucks go up 2-0, then they lose four in a row, and then they come up short of the finals. Toronto goes on to win, right? The prevailing thought coming out of that series, not just from Bucks fans, but larger media circles, NBA, national media, Coach Bud got smoked. Oh, Nick Nurse outcoached him. Nick Nurse made adjustments over the course of seven games. And Bud, he just tried to keep doing the same thing. He had no adjustments. Eh, maybe a little. Maybe a bit. Nick Nurse is a really good coach. And Bud was just kind of getting to know the Bucks. It was his first year in Milwaukee. So he probably did get outcoached to a degree. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch it. I'm also not a basketball coach, so I wouldn't know what to look for. But in my opinion, you want to know what really happened in 2018-2019? In the conference finals, Giannis didn't play well. Chris didn't play well. Those two guys weren't ready. They weren't championship-level basketball players yet. People forget this. Brooke Lopez was the Bucks' leading scorer in game one. He had 29. I remember that game clear as day. I watched it alpine in. The sun was out. The breeze was coming through the window. We watched the first three quarters there, and then we got in the car, and we drove to my buddy's house. He lived on 9th Street, and we watched it in the living room, and I was blown away watching Brooke Lopez go off and carry the Bucks to a game one win. That was game one. Giannis was not great. Chris Middleton was not great. Brooke Lopez is the Bucks' leading scorer in game one. And that was a bit of a harbinger for the rest of the series. Giannis shot 58% from the free throw line in that series. Bledsoe... Shot 17% from three. Miritich, who's supposed to be a dead-eye three-point specialist, shot 19%. Could Bud have made better adjustments? Maybe. But Giannis wasn't ready. Chris wasn't ready. Chris Middleton in that series scored 11, 12, 9, 30, 6, and 14. He wasn't consistent enough. He wasn't ready enough. Kawhi was way better than Giannis because he'd played in the playoffs before. He'd played in the NBA Finals before in San Antonio. Fred Van Vliet was amazing. Abaco was very good. And Bledsoe and Middleton were not, right? Last year, when the Bucs won it all, well, Bud finally learned how to make adjustments. Uh, they had a Drew Holiday. And they worked on things during the regular season. They became a more complete basketball team during the regular season. But once we got late in the playoffs, Giannis was unstoppable. He was as unstoppable as I've ever seen a player in a playoff series. And Chris Middleton hit every big shot he was asked to hit, and then some. Make adjustments. Folks, sometimes there just aren't adjustments to be made. Either the players are going to get it done or not. Greg Gard emptied the clip last night. He played everybody. Oh, Jordan Davis isn't going to hit a three? Then I'm going to throw this, this, what's his name, Isaac Lindsay? Yeah, oh, hell, well, Isaac Lindsay, you go try and shoot it. Maybe you can make one. He emptied the clip. He tried everyone. And they actually got some decent looks from three. They just couldn't hit him. They essentially finished the game one of 21. Jordan Davis hit a, I don't even know what that was. He hit a prayer at the end of the game. And I know a lot of Badgers fans, because I saw this last night, well, if the threes aren't going, stop shooting them. You need to shoot them. You need to shoot them. Because you need the spacing. You need the floor. And anytime the Badgers tried to attack the rim, there were three defenders who met them immediately. Johnny Davis was getting mugged. It actually looked a lot like Giannis against the Raptors in 2018, 2019. Like, we're just going to build a wall. We're going to put three guys in front of you. And you're either going to try to force a bad shot or you're going to kick it to some slapdash dude who will hit the side of the backboard with his three-point shot attempt. And it worked. It worked really well. Where do you want Greg Gard to go with that? What do you want him to do? What adjustment is there to be made? There really isn't one. It just didn't work yesterday. And over the course of the weekend, it didn't work for 48 other teams, too. Again, 64 to 48 in four days. 
The Badgers aren't special. They're not unique in having a bad game. Lots of teams had bad games this weekend. And that's not on Greg Gard. I saw a lot of people saying yesterday, don't look now, but uh, the Badgers haven't been past the Sweet 16 in eight years. Okay, so tell me this. If Wisconsin wouldn't have lost on a buzzer beater to Florida in 2017, that now all of a sudden things are okay? Is that, is that really the standard of success? Well, they haven't been out of the Sweet 16 in eight years. Okay, well, they came really close in 2017. They lost on a buzzer beater. So if you just flip the result of that game, that one game, that's now all of a sudden Greg Gard, hand to God, this program is okay. So weird how we try to establish marks of success. And this is what I tried. I tried to get out in front of this last week. I tried to talk about this and say, guys, the tournament is, it's a game of roulette. It's a game of chance. It's a mess. Don't put too much stock into this. If they lose early on, this isn't a failure of Greg Gard. It's a failure of the team. It's just how March works, right? And that's how it worked yesterday. Sometimes that sucks. And it sucks. It's a bummer, but I'm not going to start some referendum on Greg Gard or how this program is run. Let's talk to Ed in Madison. Ed, welcome to the show. What's up? I want to bring a little voice of reason to that latest uh, comment you just read. All right. You know, I'm, I go back and I say, what was your expectations for the Badgers this year? Mm-hmm. Well, see, I'd be glad if they make the top, barely make top five, maybe six or seven, maybe make a run in the Big Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what did we accomplish? Uh, Cole Champs. Okay, so we're going to blame it on guard. He, he united that team when that team was in turmoil from last year's drama from a former coach, former players. We had a bunch of, um, oh, I don't know how I want to put it, uh, prima donna, a couple prima donnas on that team, one head case maybe. You know, so I totally am on Greg Gard's side. Now, what happened in the tournament? Matchups. Mm-hmm. We got dead legs. We had two injuries on that team. Yep. You know, everybody wants to talk about the injury to, uh, to our good old Davis. You know, yeah. he obviously is still hurting. And he got tweaked on Friday night, if, we, if anybody remembers. Um, so, you know, it's all about matchups. It's Russian roulette. It's roulette. You're yeah. right. It, I don't want to. And I, I'm thoroughly happy with the season. Did I want to see the go to Chicago? Yes. Was I really heartbroken when they lost? Yes. 50-50. <laughs> I, I pretty much come to grips with the fact that they just didn't have it in them last night. And that happens. Do we need a deeper bench? Yes, yeah. we need a deeper bench. I get that. Development. Development, more development. Now, the portal has really killed the Badgers. It's killed a lot of teams. And, you know, when it comes to players not getting as much playing time, what do they do? I don't want to leave. And that unfortunately happened to the Badgers. They lost a couple of key players last year that could have maybe made a difference. My last comment is I would rather be in Wisconsin shoes than Illinois shoes right now. Because I'm telling you, they were built for the tournament. They should have gone further. And that's, I rest my case. <laughs> Thanks, Ed, for the call. Thanks, Ed, for the call. Appreciate it, brother. All right, have a good night. That's Ed and Matt. I rest my case. Drop the mic. When he said, am I heartbroken? I was going to say, yeah, I am too. And he goes, ah, 50-50. <laughs> I love you, Ed. Thanks for the call. Yeah, the Big Ten doesn't fare well. This is another thing I think we overblow. Oh, the Big Ten sucks in the tournament. Everybody sucks in the tournament. Everybody, Guys, 64 teams were in the tournament on Thursday. There are now 
16 remaining. Is there any conference that has 10 teams that advance? You know what I mean? Teams lose. Big 10 gets a lot of teams in, so a lot of those teams will lose. I'm with you. They got to attack the transfer portal, Ed. They need a little bit more depth. Um, but there's also a scenario in which you play that game 10 times yesterday. The Badgers probably win a bunch of them. It's just not how it worked yesterday, and that's how the tournament works. So let's take it easy on huge, overarching reactions to two games in the tournament, which is what I tried to say last week, but as usual, especially on a certain morning show on this network, you know, gets misconstrued, dragged into something that it's not. I want to talk about the Packers. Rasul Douglas is back, and I want to talk about that coming up next. I'm excited about this, and I don't think I was going to say that two weeks ago. I thought they were going to overpay him, and I was going to be unhappy with it. Now, they paid him a lot. It's three years, $21 million. The max like 25. That's about all we know. I'm very happy about it, even though it's really expensive. And I'm a little surprised that I'm happy about it. I'll explain why coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Grant Bills. We will talk more about the Badgers. I just, I can't do too much time on the Badgers. I need a break. I need to do the little Packers. Matt Ryan got traded today. Maybe we'll talk about that for a minute. And at five o'clock, I promise we will get back to the Badgers at five o'clock. I promise. 608-796-2558. Julie, uh, before we move on, get to a couple of texts here. She says, I was prepared for Tyler Wall's style of back down offense. It wasn't an option yesterday. Did he even take a shot outside of a layup? Or a putback, he's usually a decent component of our offense. Uh, no, because he can't shoot. <laughs> I think I think a lot of Badgers fans yesterday kind of had the curtain pulled back and realized, oh, Tyler Wall can't shoot at all. Like, forget three-point shooting. He can't take a 12-foot baseline jumper. If you can't get to the rim, a lot of these guys are useless if they can't get to the rim. Tyler Wall is one of those guys. And when they're spacing, when Hepburn's out there and shots are falling and the defense has to spread out a little bit, then you can let Tyler Wall go to work. Wasn't an option yesterday. Johnny Davis barely made any hay. I was impressed that Johnny Davis got to the rim as much as he did because there were always three guys over him. And he made a couple good passes, led to good shots. They just didn't go down. Joe said, I listened to the Badger game on the radio yesterday. Can't believe how bad, can't imagine how bad it was to watch. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. And what's what, what the worst part was, and I talked about this with Ben Kenny last night on Twitter space. What the worst part was is every time the Badgers had a wide open three, the shot where you're like, oh, this one's going to go. This is a great look. Those were the ones that missed by the most. <laughs> it's like, oh, perfect swing pass. Oh, he's wide open. The shot's up. Oh, and it hit the side of the backboard. <laughs> it's like, God. There's no worse way. Uh, the, be- the best looking shots were the one that missed by the most. John texts in and says, I watched a better game last night in Iowa State. Advancing the Sweet 16, Lexi Donarski played a great game. Aquinas represent. Yeah. I was missing Bronson Koenig last night, uh, Aquinas legend, but now we have Lexi Donarski to watch as well. A lot of good basketball from this state. Thank you for the text. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. We talked about the Devontae trade last week. Uh, on Friday's show, I was only on in lacrosse, and I was only on for one hour because of the way that the Brewers were set up. The Brewers were on Madison. They were on in Eau Claire. They weren't on in lacrosse because we had high school basketball on. So lacrosse, we had this hour from five to six where we talked about the Devontae trade. We're going to talk more about it. 
throughout the week. But I want to talk about Rasul Douglas coming back uh, because I think this is a conversation worth having. $21 million over three years with a max of 25 and a half. I looked today. We don't know anything else. We don't know anything about guarantees or how that money is spread out. I would imagine they guaranteed it in the first year and then nothing past that. That's typically how the Packers do their business. Considering Rasul Douglas made $900,000 last year, as a big check. That's a big difference to go from 900K to six or seven million a year. And you can lump Douglas and Campbell in a bucket together. They were great last year, but they both played on really cheap deals. Douglas was less than a million. They picked him up mid-season. Campbell got into town. It was about two million for one year, right? And we've talked about this before. Player A that makes one million is very different than player A at $10 million, right? Otto Porter is my favorite example. Otto Porter Jr., who's now on the Warriors. Otto Porter was in Washington, and he had a meager deal for a while. You know, good 3 and D guy, a guy that every team would love to have. And then they paid him a lot. And then that year, they're like, oh, God, we got to get rid of him. This guy's not worth as much money as we paid him. So they shipped him to Chicago. Who then shipped him back to Washington to play out this ridiculous deal that he signed? Now, Otto Porter's not so good because he's making 20-plus million a year. Now he's in Golden State playing for pennies, and he's a really nice piece understands defensive assignments, can knock down threes, good team rebounder, but the money, right? A player making X amount of money is very different than that same player making XYZ amount of money, right? So I was a little worried about Campbell and Douglas because their price was part of what made them so good last year, right? Here's an example. I I went, I was in Menominee this weekend. I went uh, downtown Menominee. We went to get a beer, me and my mom, and we stopped in this antique shop that was right next to the, the bar. Right, and we were just looking through things. I was looking through albums and stuff. We went into the store, and there was a Leinenkugel's clock on the wall. This thing was this thing was cool. Anybody would like to have this in their house. Even if you don't drink Leinies, if you're just from around this area, it's just a cool thing. It was $300, right? And see, this is the problem with antique stores. They know what they got. You go in there, and you think, oh, we're going to find some deals. Yes and no, because the people who run those antique shops, they know that the people coming into shop they got nothing else to do except spend lots of money on crap. Like, it's cool crap, but it's crap. They know what they got. A Lonnie's clock for 300 bucks? No, I'm not buying that. But if I found that same clock at a garage sale for 30 bucks, I would probably buy it. I would buy it even if I didn't want it because I know I have one or two friends that would absolutely want it. I'd buy it. Where do I put it? What am I going to do? I don't know, but I would buy it. For 30 bucks, I would buy it. For $300, now all of a sudden I'm not interested in this Really cool line in Google's clock, right? Goody found Rasul Douglas and Devondre Campbell at a garage sale, right? He didn't know if they would fit on the team, didn't know if they would play well, didn't know if they would stay healthy, but for 30 bucks, it's worth a shot. If they stink or they get hurt, there's no harm on the cap. There's no future obligation. You're not tied up into these guys long-term, right? Let's say you go to a garage sale and there's a football on the table and you pick up this football and you look at it and you're like, this thing's got a signature on it. Who is that? Is that Bart Starr's signature? No way. And the football costs like two bucks or whatever because the person who's cleaning out the house didn't look at it. They just put it on the table. And they're like, oh, is this signature real? Is this a real Bart Starr signed football? I don't know, but it's two bucks. So I'm going to buy it and I'm going to see. And if it turns out to be fake, then I'll just throw it away or we can play catch in the driveway or whatever. That was Devondre Campbell and Rasul Douglas last year. Like, well, I don't know if they're going to work. I don't know if they're going to play well. But if you only got to spend two bucks, then who cares? If they don't work out, they don't work out. There's no long-term future obligation. You're not tied up to that money. It doesn't tread your salary cap, whatever. 
Now Rasul Douglas gets seven per and not 990,000. And I thought I would be wary of this signing. Same with Campbell. The last couple of weeks, I'm like, man, I want these guys back, but they're going to make a lot more than they made last year, and that's going to turn everything sideways. Look, there's some things in life, once you find the right one, you keep it. You don't get cheap or you don't get lazy. You don't look for something else. A mattress. I feel like a mattress is very important. As a sleep is very important in your life. So if, you, if you're a sensitive sleeper and you finally find a mattress that works, keep the mattress. And if you move to a different house, take the mattress with you. Like, do the extra work, hire the movers, take the mattress. It's worth it, right? Guitars, right? I have 2013 Fender Strat. It's a Mexican Strat, but it's a dope guitar. I like it. I've played it for nine years, and my hands know it. I got it figured out, right? I'm going to keep that. I'm not getting rid of that thing. I like that thing. That is something that I'm going to keep, right? If you luck into a good cornerback, don't be cheap. Don't cheap out on cornerback. Bill Belichick, for years, the only position he would pay premium money for was corner. They'd pay Darrell Revis, or they'd pay Brandon Browner. Patrick Chung for a while, too. I know that's a little different, but kind of defensive backfield type of thing. They paid Stephon Gilmore. Bill Belichick did not want to go into a season without one trustworthy superstar corner. Bill Belichick, who doesn't pay anyone, pays corners. And I understand the Packers have Jair, who's about to probably get extended, and we all like Eric Stokes, really good rookie year. You never assume you're good at cornerback, ever. That's a pillar of football discussion on this show. At no point about the cornerback position are we ever going to be like, no, they're good. No, we don't need anyone else. You always need more corners, always. They get hurt. They all of a sudden get bad. They want a new contract, right? They get old. They get unhealthy, whatever. You always need more corners, always. Never at any point for any reason, ever, do you say, no, we don't need more corners. We're good. We got Stokes and we got Jair. That's good. No, it's not. No, it's not. Especially with the Packers. The Packers are good at some things. The Packers like drafting quarterbacks. We can argue if they're good at it or not, but they did get Favre. They traded for Favre and they drafted Rodgers. Packers are really good at making it work on the offensive line. All right, so you cut Billy Turner, save a little space, save a little money. All right, they'll figure it out. Historically, the Packers have not exactly been nails at handling the cornerback position. Vikings fans love to bring this up because they really don't have anything else to hang their hat on, so they got to cling to weird things like those. I remember when the Vikes had Randy Moss and the Packers were taking corners every year trying to figure out how to guard them. <laughs> okay, hang a banner, I guess. But they're right. The Packers could never figure out a corner or a way to set up their coverage to contain Randy Moss. And to be fair to the Packers, Randy Moss is incredible. No one was really figuring that out. But in more recent history, think of Quentin Rollins, Demarius Randall, high picks that didn't work out. Josh Jackson, a second-round pick that missed, right? Cornerback has not been an organizational strong suit of the Packers. So to have Rasul Douglas in-house, to have him work, everyone likes him. He plays well here. He's willing to come back. Keep him. Pay him. Right? Don't overthink this. Don't get cheap. If you are not good at something and you finally figure that thing out, don't overthink it. Keep it. If you've been looking for the right guitar your entire life and you finally find one you like, don't get rid of it. If you struggle with insomnia and you have a good mattress and you've looked for years and you finally find one and you need to move to a new house, take the mattress with you. Don't skimp out on a new mattress. That's important. Once you find a mattress you like, keep that mattress. The Packers especially. You find a good corner, you keep that corner. Because corner isn't really their thing. Letting Rasul Douglas go would be like the state of California. The state of California saying, you know what, I... 
you know, we went a year without wildfires. We can probably slash the uh, the fire prevention budget. We're we're all right. No, <laughs> like wildfires kill your state every year. Don't get cheap on that. That's the one thing that you struggle with as a state. Figure that out, right? Invest money into that. The Packers can't figure out corner. They figured out corner this last year. Invest him. Lock him down. And maybe it becomes an overpay. But you know what? I'd rather overpay trying to keep a corner who's good than letting him go and taking my chances elsewhere. Because that's how you end up where the Packers ended up in 2016. It's like, oh, we don't have any corners. We don't have a single one. We don't have a single one. And if the Packers let Douglas go, what if Stokes regresses? Now Jair gets hurt again. Okay. Well, now you're effed. You never assume you're good at corner. Ever. I like that Rasul Douglas is back. It's a little expensive. Whatever. I'll deal with it. Let's take a break. We can talk more about this. Matt Ryan was traded to the Colts today. I'm very interested in this deal, and I just want to talk about it. Then we'll get back into the Badgers at 5 o'clock. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Grant Bills, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. We're going to get back into the Badgers here in about 10 minutes. I have a Brewers take for you. I'll share that with you at 530. I'm very excited to share this take with you. I think you're going to like it. Very excited about this one. I have an idea for the Brewers going into the season. Thought about this for like a week, and I'm finally ready to present it to you. So we'll do that in about a half hour. Badgers in about 10 minutes. One NFL thing today outside of the Packers. Matt Ryan got dealt to the Colts. The NFL is nuts. Deshaun Watson got traded to Cleveland on Friday as a total Friday news dump. Nobody wanted it to be talked about. So we go into the weekend and I'm thinking, well, there'll be another story before too long. Like that's how the NFL's work. And Matt Ryan gets traded two days later. Remember when John Gruden coached the Raiders? Me neither, because there's been 60 huge NFL stories since then. This league is nuts, and I don't know if it's always been like this and I'm just catching on, or if this league is just picking up momentum. I don't know what it is, but it's been a blast. So Matt Ryan goes to the Colts for, I believe, a third-round pick. It was so insignificant, I didn't even commit it to memory, but let me check. Matt Ryan to the Colts for a third-round pick. Yep. Here's what I don't get about this deal. Look at the AFC. Name all of the quarterbacks in the AFC that are better than Matt Ryan. Go. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson. Now we can debate Derek Carr or Ryan Tannehill. I really like Carr. That's eight. So Matt Ryan is what? The ninth best in the AFC? And that's assuming Trevor Lawrence all of a sudden doesn't have a great second year. Or Zach Wilson. We'll see. I don't know. Could. Probably not, but could. I'm no economist, but... I feel like Indy's offseason, and this move especially, to deal a third round for Matt Ryan, take a bunch of money on. I feel like this is a great example of how markets work. And if you're an economist, you teach econ or whatever, you're just big into finance. Tell me if I got this right. I feel like this trade is a great example of how the market works. The Colts traded away a second round pick just to get rid of Carson Wentz, and they got some picks back in return. And now they've given up a third round pick and are going to take a $24 million cap hit to absorb a really expensive Matt Ryan, who at best is the seventh or eighth best quarterback in their conference. Right? That's not, that's a marginal improvement, but a huge cost. That's the market at work, right? Is Matt Ryan really that good? No, but you can't live without him. 
You need a quarterback. And there are only so many quarterbacks to go around. So if you want one, you're going to have to give up a third-round pick. And you're going to have to absorb $25, $24 million in salary because that's how it works. And is your quarterback even going to be one of the best ones in your conference? No, not even close, but you need one. So here you go. You're going to pay a bunch for him. It's like buying food at the airport. Yeah, it costs way too much, and it's not going to taste good at all. But what's the alternative? What else are you going to do? Who Don't they have Sam Ellinger on their depth chart? I'm going to look up their depth chart. Colts depth chart. Let's see. Scott Tolzien's not still there, is he? Maybe. Probably not. Uh, Sam Ellinger and someone named James Morgan. If you could tell me where James Morgan went to school. Uh, ooh, what school is that? Florida International. That's not real. Shut up. Well, that's your alternative. You either spend $12 on a sandwich from an airport convenience store that is terrible and you eat it or you go hungry and you survive off peanuts on the airplane or you pay James Morgan from Florida International, which is never a school I've heard from. Watch. Chris and Lacrosse is about to call in and tell us all about Florida International, the most famous alumni and all the other schools in that conference. Check my watch. Good about three and a half minutes. Clockwork. Florida International. What the hell? This is such a funny deal to me. Good for Matt Ryan. This will be a good situation. And I guess good for the Colts because they have someone who's not Carson Wentz. But eighth, ninth best quarterback in the conference. And that's assuming Trevor Lawrence doesn't boom and Zach Wilson doesn't boom. That's just that's the brutality of the marketplace. If you don't have a quarterback, you are giving up obscene amounts of capital, draft picks, cap space to get that quarterback. And the quarterback, guess what? Quarterback's probably not even going to be that good. Matt Ryan's really not even that good anymore. You watch last year, like, is he still good? Is he still got it? I don't know. Let's take a break. We'll talk more about the Badgers, and I have some Brewers stuff I want to share with you. That's coming up later on in the show. Wisco Sports Show, back in two minutes after the Zone Update. Deshaun Watson's back. At least Adam Schefter handled it with grace and applause today. the funniest joke I've had on the show in a while. Wow. Comedy, 10 out of 10 for me today. Well done. Thank you. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. My headache is just starting to go away. Uh, it's been a rough day. It was a rough night last night. Watching the Badgers and Iowa State try to play basketball last night just kind of gave me a headache, uh, and it literally is just now beginning to subside. A good 24-hour or one of those, you know, just a day-long headache from watching Iowa State shoot 3 of 14 from 3. Badgers shot 2 of 22. That's 9%. The, the worst part about this, the most damning part, is they shot 29% from the floor, from the field. 29% total. 29% from three would be horrendous. That would be really bad, and that would be below Wisconsin season average. Wisconsin shot worse from the floor than they did from three this year, yesterday. I am now just beginning to get rid of my headache. And please, someone do a safety test of the backboards at Pfizer Forum uh, before the Bucks play, because those things took a beating. I'm not saying they're about to break, but just check it out. Just do a once-over quick glance for safety reasons. I don't want glass shattering and injuring any of my Milwaukee Bucks. So please just someone get on that. This is the Wisco Sports Show. 
My name is Grant Bills. We were just talking a little bit about the, the Colts quarterback depth chart, which features James Morgan from Florida International. And what did I say? Chris and Lacrosse would give us a call and tell us all about Florida International. And Chris is called. Chris, hello. What's up? Hey, hey Grant. I, it is so funny you would say that because I was I was going to call you even had you not prompted me to. There so, you go. Uh, yeah, Florida International, as luck would have it, is a school I really do know a lot about. I, I'm the only person I know who actually goes through and ranks all 360 Division One schools and kind of comes up with my you know, my power ratings, and I, I, in my mind, run an annual tournament that I call the Zobin Invitational Tournament, the ZIT or the ZIT. And Florida International, for years, was like my 11th favorite team. Mm -hmm. And uh, they are the Golden Panthers, and they started off playing in the Sun Belt Conference for many years, and I believe they transferred over to the Atlantic Sun, which is the same conference that Florida Gulf Coast uh, played in when they were the 15 seed that made it to the uh, the Sweet 16 about nine years ago. Now, what I'm seeing, Chris, uh, what no. I'm seeing, I just want to make sure because I, I don't want to be spreading misinformation here, and I could be wrong. I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now. It says in 2013 we realigned to go to the Conference USA, and I'm trying to figure out if they changed again to whatever the other conference was. I don't actually. Yeah, I, like think, I, I don't really care this much. I, I don't. But can, continue. Yeah. I'm sorry, I cut you off. I shouldn't have. But I'm the um, the famous alumni and and a guy that I think a lot of lacrosse people do not like is Isaiah Thomas, the famous Piston who who destroyed the uh, Continental Basketball Association. Really or helped to destroy it. Yes, he was a very villainous uh, character in how the CBA, which was a beautiful league. And essentially served as a quasi minor league. It certainly did for coaches, like you know Phil Flip Saunders. We we talked about that one time when you were filling in on the morning show. Well, of course, uh, I remember breakfast uh, breakfast soup. Breakfast. Oh, God, <laughs> how could I forget? <laughs> we're, not, we're not going there. But anyway, Isaiah Thomas decided to get into coaching after I think he had left the Knicks or whatever, and he he sullied. Florida International, I dropped them out of my top 25. They were no longer eligible to play in my imaginary uh, Zobin Invitational Tournament. And uh, and then so I just had to wait him out until he left because I knew he would. And he kind of just did his Isaiah Thomas thing, which is he was just kind of there, but he wasn't. And uh, I don't think he did anything to technically destroy their basketball program, but he didn't help it the way I think they were hoping he would. And uh, so, yeah, no, they're, they're pretty much one of these unheralded teams that, that yeah. nobody would know about except for a guy like me that follows, you know, all these conferences. But uh, um, if, if I could quickly interject something, Grant, I'll be real quick on yeah, this because I don't want to yeah. eat up eight minutes. Yeah. I really want to go back to this Gardner Minshew thing because, and I, I just ask everybody to take a look at Gardner Minshew's rookie year statistics side by side with Kyler Murray's. And other than Murray being a little bit better on completion percentage in 16 starts with Murray, 12 for Minshew, Minshew outperformed him. He had a better uh, touchdown to interception ratio. He had a better quarterback rating, which was in the 90s. My contention is Gardner Minshew should have, if not been rookie of the year in 2019, he should have at least been in the top three. He played better than Kyler Murray. And for some reason, because the Jaguars drafted him on a fluke in the sixth round, had no, they didn't even know what they were getting. 
he was going to maybe make the, the roster as Nick Foles' backup. Remember, they had brought Foles oh, in to course. be their savior because they're such a, a bright franchise. <laughs> anyway, he plays great. <laughs> His teammates love him, and the fans love him. So they've got this quarterback that is like a solid gold for him. The next year, they beat the Colts on opening day. And then they go on like a four-game losing streak, although Minshew technically was playing better than he did his rookie year, which was actually really good, far better than uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, did, by the way. Yeah. And uh, and then he gets injured. The Jaguars decide to go in full-blown tank mode. Minshew Shit. never gets Smart. back on the field because they don't want him to be on the field because he knows he has a chance to win. Minshew then gets traded inexplicably to the Eagles of all teams. Here's my long-winded uh, yeah. discussion point. You yeah. can save this. Who gets to determine whether or not Gardner Minshew is is a quarter, is is like a uh, what do they call it like your uh, franchise quarterback? Because in my mind, he really is, and people are whipping on this guy. And it, it's I think it's perception. Well, he's a sixth rounder, like Tom Brady was, by the way. And it's like he can't do it. It's like you had a guest on your show. I think it was maybe Thursday. Can't okay. remember his name, but he was making a comment about Alan Lazard. Never going to be able to be like a number one receiver. And oh, my yeah, thought Brad. was, why? How do you know that? How do you he know can't. that Alan Lazard he's not, can't be because a he's, he's not. That's not his skill set. That's not the type of wide receiver he is. He's really good at what he does. I love Alan Lazard, but he's not like you're not paying him to be your number one volume guy to catch a lot of passes and touchdowns and run all the routes. That's just that's not what he is. But who gets to decide that is what I'm saying. And I feel like if, what if what if Rogers just locked in on Lazard and said, you know what? I'm going to throw you the ball 15 times a game. You know, for all we know, we are sitting on our next number one guy. Because I remember Adam's rookie year. In fact, I, I drafted him as a rookie in a keeper league, and he mm-hmm. was so bad. Did you hold him drops, through I cut him. Oh, you cut him. Damn it. I right. cut him after his rookie year because there was no reason to think that Lazard or that, that Adams was going to be anything. <laughs> and then, of course, all these years later, it's like, boy, I probably could have won three titles <laughs> instead of I'm watching somebody else win those titles with them. And embarrassing. But I just, to me, it's a fascinating point because I feel like some guys just get just flagged as somebody that's never going to make it. And, I, and look at the imbeciles that are running some of these franchises, including like Jacksonville. Oh yeah, I, we'll we rethink that. that they are these uh, football savants. But I'm, I'm telling you, I think a lot of teams are just run by people that don't know what they're doing. Another thing, a topic point, uh, and then I will, I promise, I'll, yeah, we gotta I'll be quick. Uh, leave is, yeah, take a look at the amount of assistant coaches that used to be on a staff going back up until about the early 1970s. You had a head coach an offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, maybe a special teams guy, usually a pro coaching staff. Like when George Hallis was there, Vince Lombardi, you had a coaching staff of maybe four or five people. That began to change in the early 70s when it grew to about 10 or 12. Now there's like 30 coaches yeah. on your professional staff. And it's, a good to thing. me it's a metaphor of, of corporate America of how we're over coaching and over – and you don't get the coaching – Really, from the top, the head coach is really um, like a, like in business is managing managers. They were and yes, and so I think it's like I feel like that's part of of the reason why I think we're just over coaching these guys to a certain extent. I wonder, could you, especially with quarterbacks, we're blowing their minds, we're turning it into rocket science. And I have, I wonder, could you just have a guy like Johnny Unice used to do? He would literally draw the plays in the dirt. Raymond Berry, you do a square out. 
Mackie, you do a fly pattern. Well, that's what Roger And does. you didn't have him on three. And and I think they're taking guys and they're just frying them out way too soon. Anyway, yeah. Florida International, uh, <laughs> they're, they're serious. Yes. <laughs> they, they do exist, the Golden Panthers, and, uh, and they've never made it to the uh, NCAA tournament. Just a travesty that they've never made it, too. Thank you, Chris, by the way. Why can I just I just want to ponder really quickly. Why does Gardner Minshew always come up on this show? I never mention him. And people will just call and be like, can we get back to the Gardner Minshew thing? What Gardner Minshew thing? There is no Gardner Minshew thing. I think he's very solid. I just, he's not, he's not my franchise quarterback for 15 years. It's quite simple. Uh, who's this guy? Jetwitch on Twitter tweets in. Says T.Y. Hilton is a Florida a Florida international alum. Yes, Manny Diaz as well. I looked it up. Also, I Chris, Isaiah Thomas didn't go there. He didn't go. Isaiah Thomas went to Indiana, didn't he? Unless you're talking about short Isaiah Thomas, but he went to Washington. I don't, I, yeah, I don't. But other than that, excellent call. And I would love to talk more about uh, Gardner Minshew. Actually, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't care about Gardner Minshew. Jordan Love, let's talk about Jordan Love. No, let's talk about the Badgers. Please, God. Please, God, can we talk about the Badgers? 608-796-2558. Don't be so mad about the Badgers' loss yesterday. we got to take a pill. And I tried to get out in front of this last week, and maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe I just should have let it go. The tournament's one big game of chance. I said this back at 4 o'clock. Try to reiterate here. The tournament is one huge game of chance. And a lot of Badgers fans are like, well, they were playing at home. Yeah, but really, how much does that mean? Well, they had a great draw. Sure they did, but Kentucky lost to a 15-seed St. Peter or whatever they are. I'd ask Chris, but then we'd have to talk about them for 10 minutes, and I don't really want to do that today. This isn't that big of a deal, right? Don't turn this into a referendum on the program and about Greg Gard. The tournament is a giant game of chance. Let's all calm down a little bit. There were 64 teams coming into this weekend. 48 of them were a race. The Badgers were one of 48. It's not really that insane that our team is no longer playing. Most teams are no longer playing. There's only 16 left. Zach is in Wisco. Zach, I swear to God, if you bring up Gardner Minshew, I'm hanging up on you immediately, and I'm not going to apologize for it. See, St. Peter's Peacocks, by the way, they're they're from New Jersey. No, I'm not going to get into this. I, I love <laughs> I love the 15 over the two. It just yeah. it's what makes the tournament special. You know? It gives you something but, to believe in that anything can happen, really. It it keeps you it keeps you feeling like a child. The fact that a fifteen can beat a two. I agree, yes. And and you get that fluke, you know, sixteen over Virginia that one year that like has never happened before and will never ever happen again. But we'll talk about the Badgers. And and I know you brought it up and I tweeted it to you and this is what I want to talk about. There's when it comes to adjustments, you know, I, I've coached, you know, middle school basketball for a long time now. Of course. Sometimes you just can't make adjustments. Grant. There's no adjustments to make. What are you going to do? Bring the 10th, 11th, 12th guy to, to light a fire under some of these guys. It's not going to happen. There's no adjustments that can be made for shooting two of 22. That's 9% from the three-point line. You either make those shots or you don't. You're not going to sit here and say, oh, well, we needed to do this different. What? What are you going to do different? Yeah. Bash it inside. Try to get some. The, the only real thing that I saw that there may have been 
some chance is the second chance points, getting the rebounds. You know, they weren't yeah. crashing the boards usually as hard as they could have. But I can't, I have a hard time bringing that up to my eighth grade guys. Yeah. And they look at me and they're like, oh, yeah, let's roll the eyes. You know, yeah, yeah, you say that all the time. And what, what are you going to do? You can't. You can only bring something up so many times before the guys start tuning you out. This is not – last night was not a referendum on Greg Gard. And no. Anybody who says otherwise has no idea what it's like to A, coach, or B, be on the floor in that moment. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Some of these guys that are bringing up Gard, oh, Gard needs to be fired. No, 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 no. Gard's not the one who shot two of 22 from beyond the arc. Yeah. Gard's not the one who had 18 turnovers or whatever the heck it was. I think it was 14 turnovers. In a, like with five minutes into the second half, they had 14 turnovers. That's not coaching. That's just poor execution. And you're not going to bring a guy uh, like, like Neath, who is an absolutely awful shooter. Yeah. You're not going to bring him in to, to spark some excitement because he can't shoot. What about Isaac Lindsay? You we bring... tried Isaac Lindsay. We emptied the clip. He tried everybody. I mean, what else did you want Greg to do? That's, that's exactly right. You can't do anything. You, you just sit there and you go, well, it's just not our night. And we had, I haven't talked to you since the eighth grade state championship uh, tournament last weekend, not this past weekend, but the weekend prior. Yeah. Man, we just, you you run into a team and you say, well, it's just not our night. You get the doors blown off you or, you know, you, you have a couple bad breaks and you sit there and go, well, what can you do? That's and we exactly. had that same thing. We played West Bend, West Bend United. We played my little town. Of 800 people. Where are you from, Zach? In our little middle school. I live in Highland. Okay, I got you. Do you even know where Highland is, Grant? No, but I was hoping by my tone I, I would sound like a, I knew where it I was. Could, I'm looking it up. I could point it to you on a map, and you'd be like, there's a town there? Okay, well, I got an <laughs> we idea. Have, we All have right. 800 people in our town. We have about 100 people, 100 kids in our middle school, and we're playing West Bend. A Division One school in the first round of the tournament. The Eight. second round of the tournament, we play Stoughton. We're playing schools that have more kids in their eighth grade class than we have in our entire elementary and middle school combined. But why didn't you make adjustments then, Zach? Make adjustments then. Yeah, make make adjustments, right? There's no adjustments to be made. If they're just playing lights out, all you can do is just Go with it. Keep doing what what's worked in the past, and try to try to make it happen. And you know, it just didn't happen. I appreciate you, Zach. This was some nice context. I saw you tweeting at me. This you needed to get this off your chest, and I agree. Sometimes you just nothing you can do. You run out, went your game plan. You tried a couple things, none of them worked, and, and you ended up losing. Thanks for the call, man. And, and yeah, absolutely, man. We'll talk, talk to you later, buddy. Yeah, that's Zach in Wisco or slash Highland, uh, which is in Iowa County. Uh, it's, what's the, what's the county? Is it the county seat of Iowa County? What's the Iowa County seat? Uh, is that weird that I want to know that? I'm going to look that up. We're going to come back, talk more Badgers. I see, I see the phones. I see the text. We're going to talk Badgers for about 10 or 15 more minutes. We got plenty of time. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills 
on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. You know, that's, that's why you play the game and why you run the offense is trying to get the best look, and sometimes they just don't go in. You know, we have confidence in ourselves and confidence in our teammates, but you just kind of try to find other ways to win, and we came up a little bit short. Brad Davison on the Badgers' bad shooting night. Saying it was a bad shooting night doesn't sum it up. I don't know that I've seen a shooting night quite like that. <laughs> Basically shot one for 21 from three. The the two for 22 came from Jordan Davis just heaving one up because why not? Uh, their only other make was Brad Davison, who, big picture we need to appreciate. If he doesn't come back this year, there's no way they win the Big Ten, which is something they did, remember? For everyone that's saying that this team is horrendous and Greg Gard is a terrible coach, well, must be news to them because they did win a really good basketball conference this year. Uh, but that's not what people want to talk about. Greg Gard's terrible and the team's going to suck next year. And blah, 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 it never ends. Wisco Grant on Twitter, 608-796-2558. If you want to text or call, Mike is in downtown Madison. Mike, hello. How are you today? I'm all right, Grant. All right. How are you? Uh, this is as dejected as I think as I've ever heard you. I- I'm fine, but I've had a little extra coffee today, and the sun is shining, so for that reason, I'm in a good mood. You sound not so much. Oh, I'm just 49 points. Like, I, I'm i still, like, I, I still can't kind of believe the points. I can't I can't believe the shooting, like you said. I can't. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that bad of a uh, performance. It was horrendous. Um, it was horrendous. But... As you said, um, and as I said last week, I mean, I care, I care way more about what they did this season. Um, I, I care way more about what they did um, as they were projected to do nothing. Um, and I think they had a great season. I think that the March Madness is a crapshoot, and sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. Yeah, and it's hard. It's hard to win, you know, six games in a row like that or five games in a row. Um, to make it to the Elite Eight or make it to the Final Four or even make it to the Finals. Like, it's just sometimes you just don't have it. They didn't have it. And they're still going to be a great team next year. I have high hopes for that. So, um, I don't know. I'm just excited for what next year brings. Here's, I, I'm really – Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Really excited for, uh, really excited for the other Davis brother. I, I, I'm, hmm. I really want to see what, what possibly Jordan Davis can develop into. Especially with his brother by his side, I think I think it could be really cool. Well, you think Johnny's coming back? I think there's a chance he'll he'll come back. No. Yeah, after that performance. No, no. After I, that, who cares about that performance? None. Who cares? There's, who cares? There's no. There's no. Okay, but there's zero chance. You're saying zero. Yes, I'm, that's exactly what I'm saying. I, there's a negative chance. There's a negative five percent chance that he comes back. Uh, there, it's zero, and then and then more. And Mike, to to play off the point that you made, Badger fans need to be reminded of this today. I think I'm not happy they won. Don't get me wrong. 64 teams start this tournament. There are 16 left. The Badgers were not the only team that lost a game that they were expected to win. They're not the only team that lost a game in a good matchup. Like, this is not, we have to calm down. It's not like the Packers losing at home to Jimmy G, which for whatever reason, a lot of Packers fans just accept. (laughs) Oh, it's hard to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's even harder to win March Madness, and yet everyone wants to fire the coach. I don't get it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the loss at home to Jimmy G was way more atrocious than losing in the tournament. Um, so, yeah, to that point, I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I'm proud of the season they had. I love the team. Um, and I, they were 
really, really fun to watch this year. I had so much fun watching them. I did too. Um, and uh, a couple other questions for you. Uh, what did you think of the uh, Matt Ryan and uh, Mariota to Atlanta? That's kind of just a fill-in. I don't think he's really going to do anything. But what do you think of Matt Ryan trade today? Um, and any other trades that you've seen go on? Uh, I think possibly Baker's going to go to the Seahawks. That's a definite possibility, which is an awful landing spot for him. Um, but what do you think? I, I think it's awesome for Matt Ryan. Like, he's going to be in a great too. spot and have a lot of fun. I, are the Colts that much better? Like, they'll pro- they'll be a little better. I, I think they'll be more consistent. But when was the last time you watched... more of like wa- a wild card yeah. out first round. Team. When was the last time yeah. you watched Matt Ryan and you're like, man. <laughs> I, I watch him and I'm like, what is he doing? And maybe that's just because Atlanta's been a little messy. But, I mean, at times he's had really yeah, good mean, weapons. I, I don't know. Let's let's answer the the I would say let's answer the the more pertinent question first. When's the last time he's been in a very decent functional organization? It's been years. Probably 2016, and, 2017, yeah. 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 And and don't forget Frank Reich, you know, he got he got Philip Rivers to the playoffs. So um I don't think it's that far of a stretch to ask maybe for them to be a wild card team. Um and then I don't think you know, much of first or second round playoff wise, but um, even so, I mean, it's a better option than Carson Wentz. I'll be honest with you on that. Yeah, uh, I don't think you're going to get the horrible plays like you got with Wentz. But then again, I'd, I've, I've watched Matt Ryan in the last year and thought, like, Matt, what are you, uh, what are you doing? And maybe he's just I been know. so warped and things have gotten weird in Atlanta because that team is like the Chargers of the NFC, except we watch the NFC because we watch Fox around here, so we see the Falcons and, and we see their weirdness. I just. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. Cool. cool. I'm excited to watch him in. I, I'd rather watch him on the Colts with that roster than Carson Wentz. So it's a win for us. I don't know. The Colts are that much better, but what were they supposed to do? Just roll in with exactly. Jacoby Brissett or whoever. I think, it's a, I think it's a good feed in, um, you know, not this draft, but next year's draft has a really good quarterback class. I think there's, I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, keeping him in there for a year or two and then seeing maybe what they can get. I, I, I think that's, that's an okay thing to do. Um, and then, I was just gonna, I was gonna ask you one more thing. Oh, who was your caller before Zach? Chris and Lacrosse. <laughs> oh, he had some good insights. I really liked the insight of who gets to decide who's that number one receiver. I mean, I know skill set and things like that. Rogers could could fixate on someone on the team and say, hey, this. I mean, he's got to throw to someone more than others yeah. on the team. I mean, right? how about we just don't? How so, about here's an idea. Here's an idea. How about we just don't fixate on anyone? And we just throw to whoever's exactly. open. We just throw to whoever's open. Exactly. If he's open, throw him the ball. Yes. How about that? Right. I like that. I like that right. plan. We should go with that plan. <laughs> I like Al Lazard. Right. I, I don't know. Why am I? I do too. Yeah. And, and Mike, I'm going to let you go. Have a good night, man. I appreciate the call. And you, you sound dejected. You too, so, brother. So be better. That's Mike in downtown Madison. I, I love Al Lazard. But Packers fans have gotten so green and gold drunk where I'm the one who now has to be critical of Al Lazard. And I hate it. He's not a number one. He's a really solid player, and I love that he's on the Packers. I hope he's on the Packers for a while, right? But it would be like Donald Driver. If the Packers would have traded Jennings and Nelson and who else is on that team? James Jones, Randall Cobb, trade all those away, and we're left with Donald Driver. And it'd be like, well, why can't Driver be the number one? No, because that's not what Donald Driver is, right? Donald Driver is the dirty work guy, and that's great when you have guys that can run the other outs and get open down the field. That's not Driver. That's not Lazard, right? They need other guys. And they can't just throw the ball to A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. That's not, that can't work that way, right? They can involve the running backs a lot, but it, it, 
Packers need to do a little bit. And I, you know, as we go more and more into this offseason and they haven't signed anyone, going full draft. I mean, they need to draft wide receivers, but putting all the eggs in that basket, it's a little risky. Really quickly before we move on, let's talk to Daryl, 608-796-2558. Daryl, what's up? Well, the the Alan Lazard thing I'm thinking is uh, it reminds me of uh, some of his routes, some of the stuff that he did was more like a Steve Largent for the Seahawks for years. Uh, this goes back a ways for some people that don't know, but Largent really was a very good route runner. So if, if uh, Lazard continues to progress in that area, he can be uh, established as a, a reasonable one or one A receiver. That's a, and if they get. Um, uh, Stanley back as far as goes, I think that uh, Scanling would be the speed guy in that case, which is what always how Seattle ran their off, offense as far as uh, receivers goes. Largent would be the guy to run the routes, and uh, they'd have one speed guy to uh, try to take the defense as far as they can. So that would still open up the offense for the Packers a bit. Um, I was going to mention something else too. I'm not un, I'm not unhappy about um, uh, losing. Uh, Devontae Adams. When I saw Devontae Adams first come into the league, he wasn't that great. He built himself up, don't get me wrong. He 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 had to learn the hard way as far as it goes. Yeah. And I'm glad he's going to make the kind of money he's going to make. I'm not against a guy making money, but I didn't want him hurting the Packers as far as it goes where they couldn't do anything else. Yeah. And the Packers have shown accordingly that they've been able to spend money on other people and accordingly uh Last year, for example, we had five million dollars on a guy named Kevin King, who couldn't cover uh, couldn't cover my aunt running a, running a post pattern. Yeah. Um, so so as far as it goes, um, if you're going to spend a little bit more money, at least get somebody who can cover or do something. And I think by having two good corners, in as far as I'm going, uh, you can you can shut down any receiver on either side if you have uh, as far as it goes. So that's the kind of thing I'm looking for is what are they trying to do to get better with what they have and what they bring in. And, I, I, you know, partner as far as it goes, was a, was a decent move at this stage because last year, um, the second half of the season, as far as it got colder, our punting went into the tank. Yeah, um, I'm just saying is that things like that show if you're making progress as far as it goes that you can uh, actually do something. One last thing I wanted to say mm-hmm. Everybody, I hate to tell you this, this tournament, as far as the the NCAA tournament, yeah. as far as it goes, this was a free for all, yeah. and the only and the and, and and the only two teams that are that uh, everybody expects uh, to do well are Arizona and Gonzaga, and even yeah. then, some of they've had some struggles in the tournament as well. The Badgers struggled against Colgate. It's not surprising they lost to Iowa State. The fact that their offense went dormant. It's just the just the fact of what their uh, realistic outlook of their team was for this year. Anyway, I hate to tell anybody this. The reason the Badgers were not expected to do well is because they didn't expect much offense out of this team. They expected them to be defensive, but offensive eh, question mark. But the other teams in this tournament, as far as it goes, any one of them, uh, this is the most balanced tournament team, uh, with the exception of the two that I mentioned. As far as it goes, anybody could beat anybody on any given game at any given time. Thank you, Darren. So this is, like I said, that that's the way it looks to me. Yeah, I agree with you. Thank you. See, bringing people around. I need to calm down. And I appreciate the call, Daryl. And I'd love to talk more, but i got to take a break. I'm late for a break. Let's all take a deep breath. 
A lot of teams lose. That's how that's the, how the tournament works. That's what happens in the tournament. Let's calm down. It's just a big mess. 16s have beaten ones. We saw it. 15s can beat twos. We saw it two days ago, right? This happens. So let's calm down about the batters. I want to talk about the Brewers coming up next. And I'm getting tweets from Hunter here about Keston Hira. He's hitting the ball. Now, I don't really want to talk about that, but I do want to talk about the Brewers. I'm very excited and proud to bring you this take. I've been working on this for like a week. I want to compare the Brewers to the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm, interesting. Yeah, it's creative. Yeah, darn right it is. We're going to do that coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope your week is off to a superb start. We're not going to have a show tomorrow. Brewers are going to be on all across their network. Eau Claire, Lacrosse, Madison. So I'm just going to kick back, enjoy some baseball tomorrow. I might sleep in tomorrow. Normally I'm up early, start to scratch ideas down for the show. Not tomorrow. No, not tomorrow. I'm going to make brunch tomorrow. Roll into work a couple hours later than normal. Smile and laugh at everyone. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, we have a half hour left. If you want to get your thoughts in, 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I want to talk Brewers for a couple minutes because I have a Brewers take. It's a gem. I've been sitting on this for about a week, and I think I finally figured out how to put this into words, uh, and I'm very excited about it. Again, text or call. Tweet me if you'd like uh, and get your thoughts in because tonight's show is uh, is the last one until Wednesday. So we'll probably talk more Brewers on Wednesday. Maybe I'll try to get a Brewers guest or somebody. We can do a little bit of a spring training celebration. Hey, also, shout out to the Twins for getting Carlos Correa. That's awesome. Cheap-ass poll ads actually did something, finally. And it's bizarre. The few Twins fans I've talked to weirdly don't care about this, or they're mad about it. I talked to a buddy who lived in the Twin Cities last week when this happened. He's like, oh, whatever. He's a cheater. He's on the Astros. I'm like, okay. Wow. Look at you. Mr. Morals all of a sudden. Right? Or, like, I talked to a coworker today. I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. He's a Minnesota sports fan. I said, that's pretty cool. You guys got a Correa. Yeah, well, they need pitching. Yeah, and I need a bunch of things. Okay, I can do them one at a time. You know what I mean? Oh, we need pitching, though. Twins fans are literally beggars, and now they're being choosers. I think of one of the best lines from the third season of Succession that just finished this last winter. Tom looks at Greg and is like, aha, the man dying of thirst is suddenly a mineral water critic. Listen to Twins fans. Can you believe these jabronis? Well, yeah, Cray's good, but what we really need is pitching. You need everything. Your team sucks. So, all right, whatever. I mean, we'll take them. We'll, we'll take them. I guess the Brewers have pitching, so we could we could take a bat, I guess. Bizarre. Good for the Twins. It's going to be legit. It's going to be a fun team. Good for the Twins. You need star power. You need star power. I think the Brewers need more star power. I'm about to unload upon you with this Brewers take. It's a doozy. It's got the Brewers. I worked the Raiders in there, Devontae Adams. Lots of elements to this take. It's a song with three verses and two bridges. It's it's long. There's a long guitar solo mix in the middle. This is, this is a beefy one. I want to start with the Raiders. And I want to explain what's going on with the Raiders to set up what I think the Brewers need to do. Let's say you talk about the Raiders. All right, you're at a bar and someone sitting next to you and they're like, hey, how about, uh, how about the Raiders, huh? What do you think about them? The conversation would probably go something like this. Ready? I'm going to role play this out. Man one. <clears throat> 
Man, got to feel for Vegas, right? I mean, they're stuck in the same division as Mahomes and Herbert and now Russ. Like, man, I stink to be a Raiders fan. Am I right? And then man two would go, yeah, 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 you're right. And, and they, they lost their coach last year. Their number one wide receiver is now in jail. Like, And they just moved to a new city. I mean, come on. This team's been through it. Then the other guy responds, yeah, yeah. And they still made the playoffs last year. Isn't that amazing? Like Derek Carr, I like that guy. Maybe he's not the best guy, but I, I like him. Really underrated guy. Good contract, too. And then they shake hands and they clink their glasses together and then they don't talk to each other for the rest of the night. All right? Scene, right? That was pretty good. All of what I just said is true. Right, the Raiders play in the AFC West, which is a total arms race in a division. Derek Carr's pretty darn good, and he's the worst quarterback in his division. <laughs> That's just tough luck. Derek Carr isn't the best quarterback in the league, but he's pretty darn good. If Derek Carr is your quarterback and you have the worst quarterback in your division, that is a tough spot to be in. That's just tough luck. However, the Raiders are not giving up. They just made a move to go get Devontae Adams, right? The Raiders are handcuffed in a lot of ways. They are not going to get a quarterback as good as Mahomes anytime soon, or even Herbert. They don't have the money in the cap space that the Chargers have, and they don't have the roster currently that Denver has. Denver has hit a lot, a lot of premium picks. The Raiders and Mike Mayock missed on a lot of picks. They drafted Damon Arnett, Cleland Farrell, Alex Leatherwood. There's just a lot of misses up and down. Vegas' draft board the last couple of years. So they don't have the roster of Denver, don't have the money of L.A., and they don't have the quarterback of Kansas City. But they can get Devontae Adams, right? That was something that they were capable of doing. Go get a super-duper star. If you look at Pro Football Focus war metrics, wins above replacement, Devontae Adams is one of the most valuable non-quarterbacks in football. There aren't really many trades that can tip the scales for teams unless it's a quarterback or a superstar wide receiver. Those are instant impact difference makers, especially when you're considering Devontae Adams and Derek Carr played together in college. Look at how that worked out for Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Right, Devontae Adams has every key to every lock that a defense could present him with. He's got every tool in his toolbox. They don't have the quarterback that Mahomes is. They don't have the money that the Chargers have, and they don't have the roster that the Broncos have. But they were capable of going out and getting Devontae Adams, and they did it to try to compete and contend in their division. Now, they still, I think, are a long shot to win their division. I don't want to pull up the odds because it'll take me too long to type in and I'll mash up the keyboards. It'll waste time. And by the time I actually find the odds, we will have moved on. My point, there's an arms race going on around them and they don't have a prayer in matching the quarterback of one rival, the roster of another, or the cap space of the other one. But they were capable of getting one superstar. This reminds me of the Brewers. The Brewers don't have the roster of the Dodgers, and there's no way for them to get the roster of the Dodgers. They might not even have the roster of the Mets. Now, they have really good pitching, right? But there's no way for them to pull even with the roster and with the talent of the Dodgers. But what they could do, they could trade for one star. One guy. One. Just like the Raiders did. Now, you can't stack your lineup one through six, or the Dodgers have stacked it quite literally one through nine, the Brewers aren't going to match depth. They're not going to match talent overall, but they could go for one guy. And when you combine that one guy with the offensive foundation they've already built and they're trying to become more consistent, you, you pair that superstar with the starting rotation, with the great manager who I gave up for Lent. We can't mention him, but you know who I'm talking about. And one of the best closers in the game, who I guess maybe they're keeping. I figured they'd deal in this offseason, but what are you going to do? If you go get one superstar, 
that can really help tip the scales, mostly because I don't know what else the Brewers can do. I don't think the Brewers should give up prospects and trade ammo this year for getting more players that are just pretty good. If the Brewers are going to make a move this year, you need to get someone special. You need to get a guy that's a top player in the league, even if it's just a rental. We've been doing this for a couple of years now. Slow building, sustained success, and they've done a really good job. I'm not saying you sell the farm and you blow up the future of the team to go get a rental or a superstar who's only going to be here for a year or two. But that's really the only bullet the Brewers haven't fired yet, right? I think there are a lot of parallels between our Milwaukee Brewers and where they sit relative to the rest of their conference. There's a lot of parallels between the Brewers and the Dodgers or the the Brewers and the, the Raiders because of the Dodgers. The Raiders are stuffed in a division with a quarterback that they can't compete with, a roster they can't compete with, and a team that has cap space and the sharp front office to utilize that cap space. The Raiders don't have any of those advantages, but they did deal for a superstar that's going to make a huge difference. The Brewers don't have the money of the Dodgers. They don't have the roster of the Dodgers. They don't have what the Dodgers have, but they're pretty darn close, and they're a competitive team. They made the playoffs last year, and if they would have beat the Braves, who knows? Deal for a superstar. I don't know who that is. Major League Baseball trade deadline is a long ways away. And in the NBA, players always pop up, right? You go into an NBA season thinking, okay, this is interesting. Well, just wait. Give it four months because two guys are going to get pissed and want out. Ben Simmons is not going to come back and play. He's going to want to trade. James Harden's going to get upset. I don't really know why, uh, but he's just going to get upset and want to be moved from an organization that he handpicked just months ago. You need to be ready and prepared to capitalize on those situations. It doesn't really happen in baseball like it happens in the NBA, but somewhere around the league, some cheap-ass owner out of nowhere is going to be like, you know what, I don't want to spend all this money. Deal everyone. And you need to be there waiting to snag a guy. Like the Rockies when they dealt Nolan Arenado because they just, they're cheap. And they didn't want to pay him. Something like that is going to happen this year. And the Brewers need to be ready because trading for a superstar, one transcendent, huge, can't-miss superstar... That's the one bullet they haven't fired yet. And that's the bullet that the Raiders just fired. And I think there are a lot of comparisons between the Brewers and the Raiders. Does that make sense? We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. We can talk more about this. I'll take your thoughts. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. A couple of texts here. 608-796-2558. Rock and Rick says Christian Yelich was an MVP. Bring him back. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be solid if Christian Yelich just decided to be good again this year? I agree. Adam and Eau Claire says Anthony Rizzo is a free agent? Question mark. No, he signed with the Yankees and then they dealt Luke Voigt, um, who I always get confused with Chris Vogt of the Badgers. Uh, which makes me sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, which on a lot of things I don't, but I do know the difference between Luke Voigt and Chris Vogt. Sorry if it seems like I don't. Thank you for the text. 608-796-2558. Let's hear from Mike in Eau Claire. Mike, what's going on? Welcome. Mike, are you there? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I agree with you. Money is going to be an issue. The Brewers don't like spending a lot of money, but I mean, what else... You just going to sit here and lose in the first round of the playoffs every year? 
No, I guess. No, 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 no. It's the same success. You don't want to mortgage the future. No, I get it. All right. Thank you, Mike, for the call. <laughs> 608-796-2558. Mike, try again. Uh, if you're having issues, I don't I don't know what, but figure it out. Sam in Madtown. Brewers have the third best ERA in the league, 14th in OBP, but I think we're 23rd in WRC plus, of course, uh, WRC plus, which is a stat that I completely and totally understand without having to look up. Sam, that's an excellent point. The Brewers, I, I don't know. I, I'm not saying they've topped out this version of their team, but if Christian Yelich doesn't play like a super duper star, I think maybe they've topped out this version of the team. Uh, and, and I've been comparing them to the Raiders a little bit. The Brewers are in a conference with the Dodgers. That's tough. You can't really match the Dodgers. The same way the Raiders can't really match the Chiefs or the Chargers or the Broncos. So what do they do? They deal for a superstar. I don't know if adding Curtis Granderson slash Jonathan Scope slash whoever they added last year, Daniel Norris, I don't know if that's enough. I don't know if that's going to create a different result this year. Mike in Eau Claire. Mike, can you hear me now? Can I hear you now? Is this better? I, I got I got you this time, I think. Awesome. Perfect, Mike. What's up? Yeah, that that just made me think about the history that I, in my 42-year-old life, that I've just watched homegrown talent leave. We've never really signed or brought in. I watched Gary Sheffield leave real young. Watched, oh, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. CC Sabathia, all these guys leave. We've never pulled the trigger on that. That was a great point. So, and is also, that something Stearns is ever going to do? Yeah, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. The, well, you can keep going with the Brewers, but on the second point, yeah. I hope the Packers go after Jarvis Landry. That's right. And I'll leave you. I'll let you finish the show, man. Oh, thanks, Mike. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for the call, and have a good night. I appreciate that. Sorry your phone wasn't working the first time. I don't know what that was, but I'm glad we got it figured out. Maybe David Stearns, maybe it's just not in his DNA. Maybe something won't let him go all in to grab that one guy. The problem is, like, let's say the Brewer. I mean, who's who's going to come available for a trade this year? Let's think. Let's think what superstar around the league might not be in the right situation. Joey Votto. Joey Votto is a great example. He's in division, so the Reds probably wouldn't deal him to the Brewers. But the Reds are trying to lose. They're trying to cut money. So a guy like Joey Votto becomes available. The Brewers give up a couple of prospects. And in doing so... They still have their stud starting rotation. Still have Hira. Still have Yelich. Right? Still have Kane. Like, they still have their core. That's not going anywhere. I think there is a happy medium to be found here. David Stern's trade for a real difference maker, a real star, a star at some point. A guy who's currently a star. Not someone who used to be a star. Not someone who's in the twilight of their career. Not a guy that's, you know, coming in for clubhouse vibes and a couple pinch hits over the course of a playoff series. But someone who's an actual stud a top 10, top 15 player in the league. I don't know. I think you can do that without completely destroying your future. You have to give them some prospects, but it's not going to completely destroy your future. Now, the Jarvis Landry thing, yeah. And Mike, I don't know exactly, specifically, what kind of role he play on the Brewers and what it would cost. Just speaking in grander terms, I just hope the Packers add somebody before the draft. They got a bunch of draft capital, capital, whatever, and I believe they're going to add pieces in the draft. They need to. They don't have a choice. But what I don't want is the guys they currently have and a bunch of rookies. They need one other guy. They need somebody else. I mean, maybe they're maybe bring back Devin Funches. Try it again. Third time's a charm. Bring back Devin Funches. He can be your experienced guy. God, what a mess. Oh, my God. Uh, no show tomorrow, as I mentioned a couple of times. I know you all 
plan all of your comings and goings based on the availability of the show. Uh, but I'll just let you know, tomorrow we're going to all enjoy the Brewer game uh, because they have a spring training game that'll be all across our network. W-A-Y-Y in Eau Claire, the Zone in Madison, and K-T-Y in La Crosse. So tomorrow, let's just all enjoy a Brewer game. We'll come back, we'll reconnect, and we'll talk more about all these things on Wednesday. I look forward to it. Plus, I get a little bit of free time tomorrow, which I don't mind. Have a good night. Talk to you on Wednesday, starting at 4. Hey.